Um, we are on lesson 44, the last lesson uh, for the class on Holy Spirit. We have, uh, let's see, one, question three, week three. So I think we can maybe get through these. Um, I'm ever hopeful that we can do it and we can get on to uh, the next study, which is Titus. But this has been uh, fantastic. The, um, the uh, last chapter, again, as I've said each time, I encourage you to read the last chapter of, uh, uh, of Rideout's book. He just summarizes and gets to, uh, kind of the real, uh, <laughs> kind of the personal intimate aspects of the Holy Spirit and, uh, the, the relationship between, uh, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus and God the Father. And it's just, uh, he does a great job of that. Like I said, I, I kind of don't usually read or read directly from what, uh, uh, Rideout has, but there's so many good things he had on this one that, I ended up doing a lot of that. So question three, lesson 44. Uh, in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six, is there anything left to be done before Christ comes for us? If we read uh, 1 Corinthians, I'll read 23 through 26. And we might just be reading this later today. Um, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he gave it thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So at the inauguration of the Lord's table, uh, Christ gives the command to do this. You know, I'm going to basically share some of this in the Lord's uh, table. We're going to have that later. You know, are there, I always ask the question, are there other command, direct commands from the Lord for us to do things, do this? Can you think of anything else where he said, do this, a direct command? That's a question. I really, I couldn't find it. So with that, I take that as, hey, this is probably pretty important. If the Lord himself is commanding or saying, do this, my my ears go up and, and I think the Lord wants us to do this. This is something so important. And remember, what, what was the time frame of this? Right before he went to the cross. So, you know, he was thinking of us. He was thinking of what we need to do. The only thing which is he commanded us to do was to remember this. Yeah, remember in the Lord's table. So again, I think it's, it's incredibly important that right before he goes to the cross, he tells us to do this. So I take that as being a, a very important thing for us to do. But, um, is there really anything else for us to do before he comes? Is there anything? They're logical imperatives where if you, you know, if we do this, you, you know, logically this will happen. But is there any, any other things that we have to do before he comes? Is in that? <laughs> the unmeritorious act, Ingrid's favorite word. <laughs> uh, that's the only thing really for us is to believe him. That's the only thing. That's really what I have is there's nothing except believe what he says about us. Believe what is true. Believe that he is coming. And I, I'm going to touch on that in the Lord's Supper. I mean, this is all very germane to what, what we're going to share, what I'm going to share at the at Lord's table here in just a bit. Um, 
you know, an important thing. We are to do this until he comes. That's the only thing we're supposed to do. And, and other than that, it is just believe what he says in the scripture, what Paul lays out for the church, who is us. So, um, there's nothing else for us to do. Yeah. The, uh, the command is to remember. Mm-hmm. You, you know, and, and you remember by, uh, celebrating the Lord's table. But the remembrance is the most important part yes. of it, that we remember what Christ has done. And I'll touch on that. The do is what is the do? Yeah. It's to remember. Yeah. Which I'll touch on later today is until he comes. Yeah. But the do is what are we supposed to do? Yeah. We're to remember. Yeah. That's the key. And then the third part is until he comes. And there's so much that goes into what it's way more than just remembering that he died for our sins. I mean, the, once you start getting into Paul's epistles, you find out that, uh, oh my goodness, this death that we're talking about here changed everything. Everything is different now. Yeah. And so all of that, the more you learn about crucifixion, the more there is to remember, maybe you put it that way. You're gonna, I should just bring out my notes for the Lord's table that I'm going to share. <laughs> we're going through these verses, and it's like there's so much in it that, yeah. that it, you know, is it just remembering his death? That, yes. But what that, what that, what does that do to you? Remembering death. What does that all in, in, entail? I mean, yes, our sins are paid for. We already did that, but that's really not part. I mean, that's that was a separate deal between the Father and and Christ. Yeah. Salvation is what it was graciously given to us through faith, and, and so what what we remember in His death is that He paid for all His sin, our sins, but the gracious act of salvation through faith was given to us. That opportunity. And then all of the things that Paul ex- uh, expounds upon that we have as believers is true. And it's true of us right now. And, and so that the remembrance is <laughs> what he did. But then what it links to is that makes us want him to come. That wants us to long to, to desire to have him come. And that what we saw last week, which I expressed, I'd never seen that before. The spirit and the bride say, come. The spirit wants him to come. You know, that's incredible. He wants the bride for the bridegroom. That's, That's incredible. That's what his desire is, to have the bride and the bridegroom come together. And so, yeah, that's just, that, that was, that was a big eye opener last, last, or in those, when I was studying those questions or the question. So, uh, let's go with what right out. So, so there's nothing else for us to do. We just have to believe. And that's really the non-meritorious act of trusting in what the word says about us, what the Holy Spirit convinces us is true about us. So there's no, nothing else. So right states it this way. But as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you do show the Lord's death till he come. As we look back on Calvary, we also look forward to his coming. How perfectly his grace has linked those two events together. He left nothing undone at the cross, nothing to be worked out in an interval before he could come. 
No work of purifying, of making us faithful, as rounding out his work. No, that work is complete, that nothing is left but to look and long for his coming. I thought that was tremendous. That's the only thing left, just to look for his coming. You know, and I, <laughs> we'd love it right now. They don't have basements in heaven. They don't have that. They don't have that. They, they don't have flooding. They don't have any of that. And, and so, you know, I think all of us would love to have the Lord come back today and, and avoid all the crud that we deal with. But as I always say, we're still here. That means he's still got stuff for us to do. And, uh, you know, and it's to form a, form the image of Christ in us. That's ultimately, you know, the goal of the, the spirit is to form that image and to form us as the bride of Christ. So thoughts. I have a thought about the fact that uh, still, um, the, the longing or the looking forward is, is, yeah, we have all, you know, there's lots of trials and suffering. There's lots of this and lots of that. But the real issue is him. Yeah. That's the issue. I say jokingly about we don't have politics, we don't have basements, we don't have that. But it it is, and what really brought out in that last question we're looking at, it's the bride and the bridegroom. That's what we're looking for, is the bridegroom. As the bride, we're looking at the bridegroom. We want to, you know, uh, giving away all of it, you know, turn down the aisle. It wet, if you who were married, if you went through the ceremony, and I said, when Ingrid turned down the aisle, I was a mess, you know, longing oh, and surprised. seeing that. what, yeah, I know you're surprised that, um, you know, and that, but that's, think of that compared to seeing the Lord as the bridegroom. We are the bride. Well, and, you know, that's, yeah. That's the longing. Yeah, we get rid of all this stuff. And, the, you know, the other thing which I try to explain is what is, what is our life going to be like without a flesh? I, you know, I think my mind is so trashed out that what is my mind going to be without the flesh irritating it all day long? You know, that I can't even comprehend what my thought pattern would be without the flesh. And that's, you know, and I, it's wonderful. I don't have all these distractions. And I can purely look at my Savior's face, the bridegroom, un, unimpeded, unimpeded with, with a pure love for him. That's, how do you describe that? I don't know. You think any of that's possible now? I, I, I don't know if I could understand it. I mean, I really don't. Yeah. That's why I said, what, what is it with, I mean, that's really rabbiting. You know, what is it, what is it without your flesh irritate, you know, and your mind going off into all the stupid things? What is it, what is your mind going to be like without all that? You know, that just, I, I, that's something I can't even comprehend. You know, but then a pure love to Christ, the bridegroom. What, how is that going to be? That's the longing. Yeah, you know, to to see that, to to be part of that. So, yeah. Any other thoughts? Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it's amazing to think of. That's the longing. 
nothing else to do but long for his coming. And yeah, the other is that uh, as we've spent a year and a half or two years on this is uh, the uh, um, convincing and, you know, convicting us. That's the conforming us to the image. He's forming the bride. And we'll see, you know, when you see what a husband's supposed to do for a bride to make you know, the washing and the making a, that, and he speaks of that as the church and, and Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing for us right now. He's preparing the bride. So, you know, that's, we're being prepared. So, other thoughts? All right. Uh, question four. The Spirit is sent from heaven by the Father to win. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm getting way ahead now. So, the Spirit is sent from heaven by the Father to win what for Christ? So what what is what is the spirit coming to win for Christ? The bride. A bride. <laughs> he's coming. That's what he's here for. To to secure a bride, to to wash the bride, to prepare the bride, to form the bride. For what? The other part of the triune God that the spirit is part of. He's forming the bride for Christ, the bridegroom. And the love and the intimacy between the Godhead. What do you think? He wants that bride perfect for the other part of the triune God. He wants that bride united to the bridegroom as soon as possible. He's longing for it. He's saying, come. Yeah. Um, uh, Notes I put together for Emmerich's baptism. What, what I discovered was is that uh, there's a lot of positional, what we call positional truths contained in what baptism represents. And that um, it's all from the viewpoint that this acquisition of a bride, the second someone is saved, they're qualified yeah. to be the bride. Which means that even though we're dogged by uh, the sin nature, it's really, we're separated from it. Yeah. that's what the Word tells us. Right. Positionally, we are right now. Yeah. So my faith as a, as a believer is based on what we call positional truth. I read in the scripture that the old man's gone, swept away. Well, you know, I've, being being someone who, like every every other believer, who seems to have to fight with that situation all the time, I think you have to make up your mind as to whether God's telling you the truth or not. That that's the spiritual maturity and growth. Because I look back at Paul in Romans seven. Yeah. Here's the guy who had three years with the Lord, and he's going, "I want to do this, but I can't. I don't." And so I think, you know, that's the, the, the joyous part before we get to Romans eight. Yeah. But, but he struggled too. And I think that's, I mean, it's, I, I think that's the spiritual maturing, the growth that a believer goes through is we, he's taking us through this growth and it's the renewing of the mind. It's the transforming us to Christ. That's, and that's the Holy Spirit's job. And then when you look at what a husband and a wife, you know, is supposed to do in the, the washing. And then he says, I speak of, Christ in the church. Yeah. You know, that's what the Holy Spirit's job is right now. 
is is forming a, in us that image of Christ. Even though positionally we're there, and once we step into eternity, we're, we don't have all the distractions and all that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, um, I'm, I, I, I had a kind of a discovery this week, like you did last week, about this, that the Lord, um, I don't know if I can verbalize it, um, the reason we are not under judgment is because there's nothing to judge. Right. It's gone. Yeah. I stand before the Lord in the Lord Jesus and all of his righteousness. And no matter how much experience I have with the flesh and sin and all of that, that has been so completely taken care of at the cross that there's nothing less for God to judge me about because I've already been judged in Christ and I've already died. All your sins have been paid for gone. You know, that's why in a lot of believers who beat themselves up on sinning, it's just the only thing you lose in there is fellowship. Yeah. It's all been done. Why beat yourself up for the sins that you've committed or will commit when it's all been paid for? The thing you do is you lose fellowship when you're stepping out. You're not walking in the spirit. And, and what you lose is the, is the fellowship. The longer you stew in your own sins is the longer you lose fellowship. Yeah. It's the, you know, confess that's not who I am in Christ. It was stupid. Move on. Yeah. You know, I ever be anxious for nothing, but yeah, you know, Philippians, same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, bring it all before him, and he'll guard your heart. All right, uh, in other comments, but yeah, uh, right at put it this way, and this again, you know, he he came to win uh, a bride for Christ. God gave up His Son, uh, the Son of His bosom, to death, and raised Him up by His glory from the dead. He has made him heir of all things, having put all things into his hands and seated him at his own right hand. But it is God's purpose that his son should have a bride to be associated amazing grace in the glory which, as son of man, he has gained. But he will not subject his son again to ignominy. And I had to look that word up. <laughs> Anybody know what that word is? What that means? Public shame or dishonor. <laughs> so he's not going to put his son again to any public shame or dishonor and reproach. He shall not again come in lowliness to the to the earth. So the spirit as messenger is sent from heaven where Christ is to earth to win for him a bride. That's the purpose. We're the bride. That's amazing. So I like the word win. Win. Yeah. You know, yeah, woos us, us, you know, brings us in. He and and he's conforming us to the bride that that Christ (laughs) deserves and wants. That's what he's he's you know forming in us. So, um, how did well, yeah, here we go. I keep jumping ahead because I'm studying me. How did Christ make us qualified to be his bride? How did he qualify us to do that? How'd he qualify us to do that? Was it a test that we took? Did we go down to the justice of the peace and we qualified to be the bride? We signed up for something. We did the uh, 10 spiritual push-ups and. I think it 
same as baptism, right? You're being placed into union. And because you've been placed into union with Christ, you now qualify as the bride. Yeah, which is amazing. Thinking that he's qualifying us to be his bride by putting us into himself. Go go figure that one out. Who planned that one? You know, who and who earthly could plan that one? You know, that's why this is all, you know, beyond what we could ever think or imagine. That he qualified us by putting us into himself, dying, allowing us because all of our sins were paid for, and then graciously offering us through. And the only thing I had there's only one thing I said that we that that makes us qualified is believe. It's the only thing that qualifies us is that we believe. And, and you know, I, was, I was listening to Macaulay on something else this week, and he said, he asked the question, he said, what makes you qualified for salvation? You know what his answer was? Hmm. Wretchedness. Wretchedness, realizing your wretchedness. If you don't know that you're wretched, you don't qualify. <laughs> well, I dispute that a little bit, and positionally we're qualified, you know, yeah. and, and and if we don't, you know, right. Yeah. Yeah, but to qualify that you you first have to know you're a sinner and need a need a savior. So yes, the pre step to being a believer is the understanding that you need a savior. So I think I think that the the Christian life was really taken up with learning all that you are in Christ and all that yep. He is and you are in Him, and the fact that uh, there isn't anything that He left undone. Yeah, there's nothing more to do. That's and so. Uh, you know, we'd like to talk about all sins and that kind of thing, but I, we're talking about an, an entirely new man that um, we've been recreated in with everything is different and new. And that's what I think uh, the conditional qualification process is finding out who you are in Christ and what all that is. Right. And it's so gracious, it's overwhelming. Yeah, no, and it and it's a process. Yeah, it is. You know, it's the conforming. It's yeah. not conformed. We're yeah. conforming. Yeah. It's it's a continuous action of conforming us to the image. Renewing is a continuous renewing yeah. our mind. It, it's it's the growth. So, I, you know, I want to read uh, Ephesians two one through nine. Um, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world of this world, according to the prince of the power of air, of the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not a result of work so that no one may boast. Again, we're going to be displayed showing the riches of his grace. He's going to show his bride off for eternity, showing the grace that he brought forth, showing this love that has no bounds. He's going to show us off for an eternity, the bride that was united to him. 
Think about that one. <laughs> so other than our simple act of faith, what did Christ do to make us qualified to his price to be his bride? What did he do to qualify us? What did he do before? <laughs> yeah. He had to be placed. Right? We had to move from the ground of the old man to the, the yeah. ground of the new man. But what did he do to do that? He had to die. He had to die. And so do we. So he gave himself up for us, his bride-to-be. That's amazing. This is where I, you know, I get into the Ephesians too. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of, word, of the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Is that us in Christ? So husbands also ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself. And for no, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we're all members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This, is, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. He made us holy and blameless to be his wife, to be his bride. <laughs> we didn't do anything other than believe. He gave himself up. He died. He went to the cross, took all our sins to, to, to suffice God the Father about the sin issue. But he did it ultimately to love us and become for us to become his bride. <laughs> I would say, too, there's another element of this, and that is up until the time that Christ shows up on the planet, um, God is dealing dealing with one human being, and that's Adam and all that he is. And even even like in Noah's Ark, uh, you know, he wiped out, what did he say, that all flesh is gone before me, except for these guys. You know, and they continued afterwards to produce from what they were. Yeah. They're sinners. Sinners. So enter Christ into the uh, equation. He's an entirely different man. Yeah. And he becomes the man that God now deals with all humanity through. And he doesn't deal with Adam anymore. Adam wasn't suitable, but Christ is. Yeah. So, um, like a lot of the brethren used to say, you need to change men. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one of those sayings that you think, you know, it's really profound, but I do need to change men. I, I think about, well, who am I? I'm not from Adam anymore. No. You know, you know, I started with, with the, uh, Noah and all that. He eradicated everybody, what, eight people, whatever it was, eight? 
the same issue continued right through there. Sure. <laughs> Why wasn't it kind of taken care of at that point? Like yeah. these people, yeah, but the sin issue, the strain, the strain still goes through. Right. And, and yet, you know, waiting for what you know, we'd have to die for the sins ultimately. So, um, let me just finish this one. And I think we're, we're going to be done. I just, then we have only one question. I did two questions today or three. Today. Um, but right out says this, you notice the order here. Christ, Christ's love is the source, source. His sacrifice of himself, the ground upon which he could save her. As a result, he can sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the word, new birth and all else. All is to culminate in a glorious presentation to himself of a bride who will be meet companion then for Jesus. Such is grace, beloved brethren, grace shown to me and you. We, what shall we say to these things? What shall we say? I think that's a, a great ending of that. What shall we say to this? You know, as the bride, as we're being prepared for the bridegroom. All right. We'll have one more question next week and then we'll start on Titus. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll do a, um, overview of Titus tomorrow or next week. Okay. Yeah. All right. Father, we just thank you. Thank you again just for what you have in your word and uh, and just the amazing position that we have as believers. Uh, one, that we have eternal life uh, through uh, the gracious gift of salvation through your son, uh, believing in your son. And uh, that alone is uh, uh, just amazing grace. That is uh, unbelievable but it is believable um, because you said it. And uh, again, that is only one component. You're preparing us to be the bride for your son, the Lord Jesus. And uh, what that means to each and every one of us, that that should form in our hearts a longing for that marriage ceremony when the bride and the bridegroom come together and uh, are united eternally. Uh, and we just, uh, we thank you for that, um, that hope. It's not a, a, in doubt it's certain that we, we as the bride will meet the bridegroom someday face to face and have that eternal relationship with uh, Christ and you, Father. And uh, we just, uh, we thank you again just for your word and all these things that explain the joy and uh, all the, the uh, blessings we have through uh, knowing your son. Thank you for this time. Amen. All right.